All right, so here we are, podcast number one from Bros, Beards, and Sports. I'm Andrew Miller. They call me Mills. I'm Cole Akamoff. And together, that makes us the Beard Bros. So we're going to give a quick little rundown of the outline we got coming at you today. So college football rivalry weekend, we're kicking it off there. A lot of big games coming up. Um, it could have some big implications on the college football playoff and just going into the uh, conference championships. Then we're going to give a quick little rundown, maybe not quick, of reports going into week 12 of the NFL. And then we're going to end it off with a fun little rant from myself about the Chicago Blackhawks. You'll want to stick around and hear that. And uh, then Cole's going to tell us something that a lot of us aren't going to know about going on in college uh, sports again. So let's kick it off. We've got Cole, you're from Oregon, so we'll, we'll start at the Pacific Northwest. How about yep. Oregon versus Oregon State? All right, so, uh, yeah, I, I grew up for a large chunk of my childhood in Oregon. I think people outside of Oregon don't realize how big of a deal the Civil War is. That's the game between Oregon and Oregon State. It is a huge game. It is, it is by far the biggest thing in Oregon. You, you, everybody in Oregon, you, even if you didn't go to the universities, you pick a side in that game. You pick Oregon or you pick Oregon State. You come to school all decked out in Oregon, Oregon State gear. You show it in the other kid's face. No, the ducks are better. No, the beavers are better. Although, let's be real, the beavers are never better. Um, yeah, but that this is a interesting game. So, Oregon State has a new head coach coming in from Washington, and uh, he's he's in there now. He he's had an iffy iffy year. I mean, there's not a lot of talent at Oregon State right now. They're two and nine, one and seven in the Pac-12. That is nice. They do have a win over Colorado. Uh, that is way better than they have been in the past several years where uh, they've had a big fat zero in the uh, Pac-12 column. So at least now they have a win. Oregon, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a rough season a little bit. Start off, I was, I was cautiously optimistic. A new coaching staff, Mario Cristobal, taking over for uh, that trader, Taggart, who left us for his dream job, Florida State. Luckily, they're sucking this year. So much enjoyment out of that. Uh, but yeah, Cristobal has brought a toughness, uh, to this team. Uh, it, it started off, you know, they go out, they play Stanford. I thought they were going to win that game halfway (laughs) through the game. Granted, I kept saying, no, 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 this, this isn't, they're going to lose this. They're going to lose this. But, but by the end I was sold and then they choked it away. Painful. Mills can attest. I was, I was a wreck during that game. Oh Yeah. Yeah, Cole, he was uh, in emotional turmoil, that's for sure. It was yeah. something to watch, though, if you were there with him. It was, he, he sounded like me as a Bears fan, I'll be honest. So I'll just I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that was, that, that was a rough game. Uh, lost that in overtime. I went, okay, well, at least it went to overtime. That's better than I thought they'd do against Stanford. Go through the season. We, uh, we beat Washington in the border war. So I'm like, hey, I'm on top of the world right now. Ducks could do something. Ducks, that we we might just have that one loss to Stanford. We might be a Pac-12 champ. I I it was all going through my head. I, I'm picturing us in the college football playoffs. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's go, let's go behind Justin Herbert. That man is a monster. Um, unfortunately, they've let me down as of late, but uh, they're still looking strong. I do I do question the offensive staff. They are uh, 
the the offense is is not been up to my Oregon standards of what I've grown up with having that Oregon offense. I mean, Chip Kelly was the offensive coordinator in 0809 and si- since then since whenever I can remember watching the Oregon Ducks, that offense has been amazing and fun to watch. It's been a little less fun to watch this year. That that's not the fault of Justin Herbert though. That man is a beast. Granted, a lot of reports saying that he'd be the number one quarterback taken in this draft. I honestly don't believe he's going. I think he's staying in school one more year. He grew up in Eugene. He's been a lifelong Duck fan. His family has deep ties to the university. His little brother currently is playing as a tight end at uh, at high school in Eugene, Sheldon High School in Eugene, Oregon. And uh, he's going to be going to the Ducks next year to play. A lot of reports that I believe uh, Herbert's going to stay one more year so he can play and he can throw touchdowns to his little brother. That being said, that leaves that leaves a lot of questions at the quarterback draft class this year. So I'm going to throw to you, Mills. What do you think about the current college quarterbacks who are going to come out for the draft next year? Oh, man. Um, I think this is going to be a weaker talent coming into the NFL after this season. Nothing against those guys, but we're talking Jason Stidham, Drew Locke from Missouri, Will Greer from Western or West Virginia, and then... Who's the who's the big uh, the fourth big name? Uh, did you say Jake Browning? Jake Browning, Jake Browning yeah, from Washington. Washington. So none of those none of those guys have been like they've they don't really pop. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I'm not. I'm obviously they're talented. They play D one college football, but mm-hmm. it's not often one of your top college quarterback prospects is coming from West Virginia. No, or no, Mi- it's not. or Missouri of all places and. So, Jace, if if I had to pick Stidham, I think is the best option. If Herbert leaves, Herbert becomes the best option. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's hard to see going into the NFL draft this year. I, it, oh man, it's hard to see a team that wants to really gamble it all on one of these guys. I feel like at best, Stidham goes late first round. That's honestly where, that's where I stand because all of them have their quirks. Browning. Yeah. Browning, he's not a very mobile quarterback, and honestly, no. his arm is unspectacular. It it really is. He, I mean, the the kid is accurate, but he doesn't have he the doesn't, arm strength. He he's he reminds me of a right-handed Matt Leinart. Leinart yeah. had good accuracy, but his issue was arm strength. He couldn't throw the ball downfield, and yeah. teams feasted on him for that. Yeah, Stidham, Stidham, I think is like I would compare him to Baker Mayfield going into the draft. He's that'd be my equivalent. Yeah. From quarterbacks last year, Stidham's a fiery guy, and he has talent, but it's sometimes he just, it just just doesn't materialize. Um, mm-hmm. Drew Locke and Will Greer, I know they've been having good years, but you have to. I just yeah, I it's mean, hard for me to put faith in guys from Mizzou and West Virginia. Yeah, the, the, those offenses there are built to drive stats, which I know that the, you know, obviously being an Oregon fan, and you know. Wanting Mario to go number one, like I, I kept playing down the uh, the whole offense thing, but really, like, I think Will Greer can definitely make NFL throws. Drew mm-hmm. Locke, I honestly I haven't seen much. Yeah, I, I, and what I have seen, I haven't been impressed. I mean, I know there's a lot of like scouts and people saying like, oh, he's got a great arm. I just, in the small amount of plays that I've seen from him, I haven't been impressed. Yeah, Will yeah. Greer, I'm just I'm always weary of Big Twelve quarterbacks because. That conference defense doesn't matter. That I mean, is, come on. We had Texas Tech and Oklahoma go nuts 
a couple yeah. years ago, and that's that's typical of two good Big Twelve teams. Yep. There's it's similar to the Monday Night Football game. Yep. Defense kind of is it just falls by the wayside, and yep. so it's it's hard for for me. It's hard to judge a Big Twelve quarterback. Yeah, definitely. So uh, up next, though, we're going to talk about uh, Jake Browning's team. His uh, his Washington Huskies are facing the uh, Washington State Cougars, and they're playing in the Apple Cup. That's a bi- it's a big it's a big rivalry game in Washington. Now, granted, this one has major implications for the Pac-12 and for the potential Pac-12 a pen- potential Pac-12 team being in the playoffs. Washington, they're hyped up big to start the year. Big lot of hype around them. Yeah, Browning Browning had a ton of hype. He was he was the quarterback in college football, or yeah. at least one of the top quarterbacks in college football. And Washington was hyped up as oh yeah, definitely they're a lock to make the playoffs. They're the Pac-12 team. They're winning the Pac-12. I don't I don't think I saw anybody who didn't pick Washington to win the Pac-12. Um, and let alone uh, little brother Washington State said uh, we're not taking that. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to show you, uh, what Wazoo is all about. <laughs> and, uh, they came out this season, they've gone in 10 and one. They had one loss to USC. It was at USC in the Coliseum. I think it was a little fluky. It was a close I'd game. I agree. I agree. I, uh, I think they're better than that. They just, they didn't get up for that game for whatever reason. A little bit of a letdown, but overall that Washington state has been impressive. You can't stop that offense. You can't stop it. That offense just goes. They pass the ball, and they pass the ball. They pass the ball on every single down. They're just going to throw it all over you. They're going to dare you to stop them, and guess what? No team can. Yeah, No, te- mean, no team can. Well, apparently USC can, but they can't <laughs> Again, stop anything else. That's Luke, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. interesting you bring up how that can affect the college football playoff because that, that leads me to think about uh, UCF versus South Florida coming up. Now, Obviously, I'm not. We're not talking about the matchup. UCF versus South Florida. Mm, okay, it, it should be a win for UCF. UCF should win, make it 24 straight wins. Now that's 24. And so, you know, there's all that. Everyone knows the national coverage about UCF. Do they belong in the college football playoff or not? Are they really the real deal of a football program? Um, personally, I say yes. Cole, I want to bring this up to you because you mentioned Washington State potentially getting in for the Pac-12 into the college football playoff. If UCF finishes the season with another conference championship and undefeated, do they get in over one loss Pac-12 champion Washington State? You know, as an Oregon fan, as uh, somebody who grew up in the Pacific Northwest, like it pains me to say this because uh, I really want a Pac-12 team. I want Pac-12 to be represented in the playoffs. Honestly, UCF deserves it. They really do. Oh, I agree. I mean, yeah, I... What 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 else do they have to do? They've had twenty three straight wins. It's soon to be twenty four. You know they they've been they've been just tearing through people. Yeah. They they even even when they, they played Auburn last year. Okay. Yeah. Auburn two loss Auburn was after they beat Alabama were hyped up as oh two loss Auburn should get into the playoffs over Alabama over all these teams two loss Auburn should be in the playoffs. Then what what happened? Auburn got went out and got out played and out coached by UCF. And that was a UCF coaching staff without its head coach. Cause Scott Frost had left and got in Nebraska. His and dream he, job. Yep. And he'd <laughs> taken half, half the, half the coaching staff with him. I, you know, UCF here, UCF in my opinion is the real deal. You look at, mm-hmm. you look the program. They haven't had 
many matchups against power five teams because they're in the AAC. And so obviously scheduling is going to kind of affect that, but you go back and you look at the history of their matchups, Auburn last year, steamrolled them UCF Mm -hmm. with a interim head coach, losing some of their coaching staff about half, half. Um, And they went out there and they just, they put, they stepped on Auburn's throats and Mm -hmm. they didn't take, they didn't let up at all. And then you can go back to the Fiesta Bowl 2014 against Baylor. Blake Bortles is a premier (laughs) game. I think your boy, my boy, Blake Bortles put himself on the map there. Once again, that, that was that year. Baylor was talked about as this team is one of the top teams. And honestly, if it wasn't for the mirror, for the crazy season that Jameis Winston had at Florida state, Baylor, I think was the next best team going into the BCS championship game. They were number three, I believe. I don't think in the ranking at one point in the season. Yeah, they were they were they they were were always they were up there throughout the season, and so everyone's everyone thought it's UCF. They don't stand a chance, but honestly, obviously they did, and yeah, they really kind of took it to them. And you here's the thing, UCF. Those those players, it's something about when having their back against the wall or being up against it, it it just sparks something in them. Because you look at it like all of these starters are from Scott Frost's recruiting classes. Yep. Hardly any of them left. And yep. the ones that did, it's obviously not affecting the performance of the team because nope. the thing that's the thing about sports and especially when you get to higher end talent like this is when a team when a team kind of comes together and they buy into what they're doing, they're hard to beat. And yeah. that's just that's just kind of the nature of sports in general and I think UCF, those guys, they believe in their coaches, they believe in their teammates, and they're going to go out there and they're going to show the entire country, hey, we're a top program and we deserve to be in this college football playoff. And I honestly, I can't disagree. I think they belong in there. It's just what's working against them is that there's four power five teams undefeated right now Yeah, that are in there. Well, actually... Notre Dame's an independent. Notre Dame's so. an independent. Oh. And that, that's, our, that's our next topic here is uh, Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame is playing USC. So, Mills, is this rivalry where it once was? Uh, you know, I'm going to not really know. I can't. It's so, USC's five and six on the season. Um, granted, you know, teams will always play harder in their big rivalry matchups. And. I don't. I the re, here's the reason I'm going to say I don't think it's as big as it was, and I'm not. That's I'm not even going to lead. Well, I'm going to. Part of it's going to have to do with USC being kind of on the downfall here, you know, kind of falling from where they used to be. Mm-hmm. But I challenge you to tell me the name of like what this rivalry game is. I honestly got no idea. Ex- exactly. I got no clue. Here for people listening, it's the battle for the jeweled shillelagh. The jeweled what? <laughs> that's right. The jeweled shillelagh. You know. I don't know what it, it's like a stick and it's got a bunch of like jewels on it. Literally. That's what it is. Interesting. This, that's what this is for. And going back like early two thousands when USC was on top of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was a huge matchup because Notre Dame's Notre Dame. It'll always have that following yep. And USC. USC was the cream of the crop yep. for college football for a number yep. of years there. But honestly, since Pete Carroll has left USC has been unspectacular. They've had some, semi-impressive seasons but they haven't really done much and Notre Dame has honestly been in the same boat I mean their last notable season really was the national title loss to Alabama yeah so so speaking of Notre Dame I got a question for you is Notre Dame back 
Are they back? Are they back? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say so because the big game I look at that indicates it is like it's the it's that Michigan game to open the yeah. season. Michigan that is, that is true. since that since that game Michigan has just been oh, a they, beast. They, they've looked like one of the best defensive they they've they're, been the best defensive team in yeah. the country. Like they they're one of the best teams. Right. That defense is unstoppable. Well, not unstoppable Notre Dame. No, no well, I guess Notre Dame got them. Unstoppable shouldn't be the word cuz you don't stop a defense, yeah. but you know what I mean. I, I know what you mean. So Notre Dame was able to kind of, they were able to kind of beat, they were able to beat them. And I look at that matchup as the one that tells me, yes, Notre Dame is for real. They had some weird games where they started out flat, but that's okay. That, that'll happen. It happens. Um, I just, it's hard for me to look at Notre Dame being undefeated. And I think one of their signature wins is that Michigan win. Mm-hmm. I think that was I think that was huge, and that's gonna listen. They can milk that all season. It's true because it's, I I will. think they are honestly. Yeah. Notre Dame's a good program, and that that Michigan win is what keeps them in the top oh, four de- right now. Definitely, that's definitely. the win keeping them there because Michigan's defense, like we already said, I'm comparing it to the Bears' defense in the NFL. <laughs> Jeez, that's high praise. Well, it's it's honestly it's. It's a beast to try and f- go up against, and it yeah. made it. It kept them in games when their offense was not clicking early on, and Shea Patterson wasn't mm-hmm. really playing great. That's true. He is playing better as of no. Late. Yeah, no. The the whole team is starting to click, and it's yeah. starting to really come together. So I look at it, and ah, yeah, Notre Dame's back, dude. I gotta say Notre they're back, back because they took on a defense that is just a monster, the best defense in college football, so, and they took them on. They beat them. And so when I look at I'm like I keep I keep saying it but I look back at that matchup as one that says yeah Notre Dame is back. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The the one thing that just intrigues me. I know this probably pains you as a bit of a a, U- a USC homer. But uh, <laughs> uh USC is just they've fallen from grace, man. I mean, who who would have thought their best coach post Pete Carroll is Lane Kiffin. Lane freaking Kiffin. No, he's, he's I know. one of the least favorite coaches in all of college football, and he's definitely their best. The one thing that that just that terrifies me, the fact that USC lost last week to UCLA. UCLA yeah. has been terrible. They got the former Oregon head coach Chip Kelly. I I love and respect Chip Kelly because he did wonders for my program. But he Chip Kelly has even told people like, yeah, we're not good this year. We're not going to be good this year. I wasn't planning on being good this year. It, it's not Chip Kelly's talent. Yet Chip Kelly went out there. They yeah. ran the ball down USC's throats, down their throats. UCLA had 313 yards rushing. Oh. They <laughs> killed them in the run game. And you know what? USC, if you're losing to UCLA – but by a score of thirty-four to twenty-seven, that I mean, it's close, but it's not terribly close. It's but you, you, you're getting yeah. you're getting soundly beat by your crosstown rival, and this is their down year. Like, wait, where are you going from here? Are you really gonna tell me that USC is gonna you know just pick it up next year and like start playing better? No, UCLA is gonna start playing better, and th- with Chip Kelly, they're fighting for the same recruits down there in LA. Yeah, it's. USC has really fallen, and, you know, you might disagree with me. I think 
a big factor of it is when they got hit with all of those sanctions post Pete Carroll. Yeah, they've still been able to recruit, but since that happened, there's less of like this prestigious association with the USC program. And so it used to be you played for USC. You were like the best there was in college, in college football. Now it's, it's just another pack. It's just, it's just another big conference program. Now it's not, it's nothing that like draws people anymore because there's just, they don't do anything special anymore. And that's going to hurt a program because the pack 12 is in my opinion the most unpredictable of the big of uh, the Power Five conferences. It's fair enough. I mean, fair come enough. on, Washington yeah. State ten yeah. and one. I did, I didn't have that. I wouldn't. Have, I, no, I didn't either. So, like, you need to do something to set yourself apart because it, in that conference, mm-hmm. all of the like top programs, I say they all have an equal shot every year at making yeah. it to the Pac-12 championship yep, game. Definitely. And USC in recent years has done nothing to say this is why we should be the program you choose. Oh no. In they, the Pac-12. Yeah. There's they no. haven't they've done nothing to make you say that. They've finished 9 and 3 a couple times. Yeah. No, I mean the the whole Pac-12 South in general has been kind of on a downward trend like any any of the past several years like other than some weird fluky years where some teams play well like for the most part ever since the Pac-12 split into North and South it has been what team's going to win the North and whatever team wins the North is the one that's going to be the Pac-12 champ. Yeah, it's the it's just ah it's just frustrating because I like I like USC. I like to keep up with the program and everything and it's just it frustrates me to see it and that's just my that's just my take on what I think is part of the issue. They just can't draw they can't they don't do anything really to set themselves apart anymore because yeah, it's no. like they're I think what they they benefited from being were USC. Yeah. And then they got hit with those sanctions and that's that's two generations or not two generations, but that's two three recruiting classes right yeah. there that like don't really know much about what your program is anymore. Yeah. Because yeah, you definitely. no longer you don't really get the national attention yeah. anymore. You don't get any of that stuff. Because I mean, what, they were competing for champions in two thousand four, two thousand five. So like most of the kids in these recruiting classes, they they don't remember. Right. When That's what USC I mean. USC was playing for the national championship. They don't remember the Texas USC game. I know. I I I was too young. I didn't watch it. I didn't yeah. watch that game. I I remember trying to stay up to watch it, but I was I was a little kid and I just kept falling asleep and I don't yep. I, I I know Texas won that sucks I know Texas won yep <laughs> but hey and, horns. and I was banking on Matt Liner materializing into an NFL talent that also nope. didn't happen so that also sucks <laughs> but yeah yeah dude that's that's just yeah. my take on USC right now and what's kind of been the issue is yep. there's too many recruiting classes that no longer really know about what USC yep. was and mm-hmm. since they don't know it's just another program. Yeah, definitely. And so now it's like, well, it's just it's it's USC. Like USC yeah. used to be the top. That would be like the top of every big prospects list because you yeah. want to go play. That's what it's what Alabama is now. Yep. That's what USC used to be. Everyone is like, I want to play for Alabama because Alabama is a team that's going to march in and they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's just that's that's where USC used to be. They need to get back to that, but they yep. can't because coaching changes just yep. cycling Constantly. through Lane Kiffin. They had. Ed Orgeron. 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 Is that how you yep. put Orgeron? Yep. They had so. him. Although I give him props for what he's doing in LSU. That's true. Granted, I, I think uh, Les Miles had that, like, it's to say it's Les Miles talent right there yeah. right now. Yeah, but, fair. You know. Yeah, so 
that's uh that's up with the USC. We we talked a little bit about the the new USC, the uh the dynasty that it is, Alabama, and they are playing the Iron Bowl. Now, I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and I have some friends I might I might be offending by saying this. <laughs> Auburn sucks this year. They do. I they they're just they they you know, there was so much hype going around into this season for them. Like they were one of the teams. They yeah. they beat Alabama last year. They were the two-loss team. There was a lot of hype that this they year was... They beat Washington this they, year. Yep. They, well, that's the thing. They started off the year. They lived up to the hype to start off the yeah. year. They beat Washington. Everybody thought, oh, yeah, now the question is just can... can it, it's going to come down to that Iron Bowl. It's going to be Auburn, Alabama, yeah. and the winner is going to be in the national championship. It uh, does not look like that is the case no. this year. Auburn just... They they just haven't played well. I don't, I don't know what it is. I've watched some of their games. They just... It, they just... They just can't go out there and play well. They start flat. And they really do. The game for me that that was this game was the fork in their season was against Mississippi State. Mississippi, I, I knew you were gonna when say a that. Cor- here's the deal. When a quarterback goes in and runs the option offense all over your defense. And you know he's o- everybody you know in the stadium know he's only running. You know he's either keeping it or handing it on the read option. Yep. Or some other form of option yep. that they ran. They ran a they. It's an option playbook yep. that game. So yep. they ran so many different styles, and yep. everyone knows it's one of the. It's one of these two guys is keeping the ball, and that quarterback went for seven yards roughly, like every, every single ti- time. Oh, every every time it was third down, everybody knew. Oh, he's getting the ball, and oh, yep, it's going to be a first down. Like it yeah. wasn't even a question. So it's oh man, it's just it's frustrating. I'm I don't I'm not the biggest fan. Of, of like Auburn or the no. SEC in general, yeah, I think it's not. just too powerful of a conference. It's not as entertaining. Yeah, but I do. I am a fan of big upsets, so I, I, I enjoyed I watching. It. I enjoyed watching Mississippi State find a way to beat Auburn and just kind of take down yep. the Tigers there. And I would love to see Auburn find a way to do it against Alabama. They've had their uh, Auburn has had Alabama's number. In the they, past, they have. They've had. They've had some games where, like, they should not have won, but they they won. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see that again. Yeah, and that's that's part of the thing when it comes to rivalries is, especially this is a true rivalry because oh, yeah. this, this, is, this is similar this is to your Oregon Oregon State, except oh, yeah. the talent difference isn't it's, as big. That hurts a little and bit, but true. So, well, Oregon's got way better talent than Oregon well, yeah, State. It, but it does. The the point I'm trying to make here is that. Auburn and Alabama, they're going to play their best football oh, yeah. against each other. They're going oh, yeah, to show definitely. out. And that's even a bad team or a struggling team. They know what they can, what Auburn can do to Alabama. They can take Alabama out of the one seed. I don't think they're going to be able to take Alabama out of the playoff. No. But they can, they can t- if they take out Alabama, they knock them off from being undefeated. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to turn the college football world upside down. Even though oh, people yeah. are gonna, you might not think so, but there's the difference p- between them now having to face the four and the three, and with the way the college football playoff is shaping up, the three is going to be either Notre Dame or Michigan. Yep, and that's that's a huge difference there, and so I yeah. think I think Auburn knows that they can go in and they can totally change the landscape of postseason college football uh, yeah. with this game. Yeah. And so I'm re- I'm really hoping that Auburn's going to pull something yeah. off. Well, then that, um, we 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 know even even beyond changing the college football playoff, there is no way 
that Auburn and Auburn fans could stand to lose to Alabama. No. That hurts way exactly. too much. That's what I mean. That's that's yeah. the power of a rivalry yep. like this one is that Auburn has ta- has felt Auburn and their fans have felt what it's like to beat Alabama. Yeah. Auburn they did it last year. They did. They know they know what to do. Yep. They I think they can I think they can pull it off. They yeah. just need to go out there and they need to play like this is their national yeah. championship. Yeah. They go out there and do that. I think that I I think you can uh, I think they can beat them and I mean you got to remember Alabama struggled early against Citadel. That's true. It was ten ten in the third quarter. Yeah, I jumped for joy. It was amazing. I was so yeah. rooting for Citadel. Now, granted, Alabama obviously they them. they do what they rolled do. Roll tide, you know, rolled yeah. over them. But Auburn, if they Auburn is a team that'll make Alabama pay for that more than Citadel is. Yeah. Citadel, oh, definitely. I don't think attempted a single pass. No. No, they, they attempted two passes in the whole game and not to the fourth quarter. It yeah, was, so, you know, Auburn is more talented to where they can take advantage and kind of put Alabama at a more unfavorable situation if Alabama yeah. starts out flat. The, the, the one thing I think that, uh, no, I don't like Alabama, and this pains me, but uh, the, the difference between Alabama last year and Alabama this year is uh, is their quarterback. They they've got the Hawaiian back there. They got they Tua. got Tua. He he is a beast. Yeah. And I, here's the thing: when you're stopping that tight offense, you got to stop Tua. Yeah. And that is that is not easy to do. No. That dude is the only Alabama quarterback I've ever seen just throw bombs and throw darts into tight spots yeah, all over no, the he's field. He's got a big arm. And then even if you even if you cover him that dude is athletic he's gonna escape the pocket he's gonna run around he's gonna yeah. make a playground like russell wilson he's yeah, gonna he's... make a playground play or he's gonna take it off and he's gonna get the first down that 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 quarterback has really changed alabama because you go from having that that ridiculous defense mm-hmm. and their talent on that offensive line that they have every year and their running backs and now you give them a legit top of the line quarterback yeah it's it's difficult to stop man a dual threat one a dual yeah. threat qb at that because Alabama for the last couple last few years now has been defense, strong running game, and then a passing game that they can fall back on for third and long. Mm-hmm. That's typically been yep. what they. Nothing against uh, Jalen Hearns, but or AJ McCarron. AJ, well, they threw a little bit more with McCarron, but he was That's not. True. He wasn't he's mobile. Still, he's still not. He nearly, wasn't very mobile. Yeah. So they st- they were a bit more balanced though with McCarron. Yeah, this is like. This is a pick your poison kind of deal that, with Alabama. Like, you stop the yeah. run, cool. Good for T- you. Tua is still going to throw a dart. He's going to just throw it downfield yeah. and find You're someone done. open. And Tua is very good, and I like him mainly because he's a lefty. I love lefties. You, love lefties. you know me. So I'm ex- I'm excited for this matchup, but the one that I am more excited for, oh, Michigan yeah. Ohio State. That Michigan Ohio State. It's 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 one of the biggest game. It's one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football. And then yeah. like this one this year. Has so much implications. Oh See, yeah, the, the winner, the winner is gonna win the division, which means they're gonna go play Northwestern for the Big Ten title. Yeah, which I, I, no offense to Northwestern, being here in Illinois, go, go Northwestern. You know, yeah. you always rep the local teams. Yeah. But uh, nah, Northwestern's getting getting steamrolled by Michigan or Ohio State. Uh, I wouldn't. I am not gonna say steamrolled. Really, I'm I'm not gonna say steamrolled only because. So Michigan faced Northwestern earlier That's in the year. That's true, and it was a closer game and than it should have been. Northwestern is a... They're scrappy. I, I want to describe them as a snake-in-the-grass kind of team. You know, you're not going to yeah. really think much of them. You don't. 
but they they can get you, and they definitely could. They almost got Michigan. Now, granted, I'm saying they, almost, they, but yeah. Well, they they had a, they had it. They were playing well against Michigan early on, just as the game they couldn't went on, finish. It just deteriorated. They couldn't yeah, finish. they they couldn't. They had a rough second half, and Michigan is a team that'll make you pay for that. But I also oh, think yeah. Northwestern's a team that'll learn from that, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I think I think it's not especially I really don't think it's going to be a huge blowout if they if it's Ohio State Northwestern. Ohio State has not played well recently. That's true. They they they've dropped some game. They they lost to it was Purdue, right? That yeah. they lost to and then they also almost lost almost so close Maryland almost pulled that yeah. off. So, Ohio State's been struggling. I don't know I I I feel like you'd have to be inside that locker room to know what's going on. You know, there's a lot of, I feel like it's a lot of turmoil over the whole coaching situation. Yeah, that's you know, definitely got to be a thing. We went in like a week before the season. Everybody was wondering, oh, is uh, is Urban Meyer going to get fired? Like, yeah, there's, there's definitely turmoil at Ohio State. Yeah, and you could see it. Something's definitely going on there inside that program. And it's evident when you see them out on the field and they've got a team like yeah. Maryland who's rolling with the punches and just giving mm-hmm. them right back. And so... If Ohio if Ohio State wants to beat Michigan, I mean they have they have to come out and play like vintage Ohio State. Oh, that that offense has to come out and it has to play from the first snap. It has to play what they have to put up points. Yeah, that is the only way you're gonna beat Michigan. You have to put up points. You cannot let that defense suffocate you the whole yeah. game. You punt twice. Try, yeah. You punt twice and you're done against Michigan. Yeah. Honestly, especially with how the offense has been playing recently. Yeah. Like with that offense, the way it's playing. Like you're gonna have to keep pace. You're gonna have to put the pressure on that offense. You're gonna have to make that. You, you have you, to make Shea, Shea Patterson uncomfortable. You, you, re, you do because well, when he when he's comfortable, he's a very he's a very talented guy. Oh, yeah. And the thing about Shea Patterson is he's he's good outside the pocket too. Yeah. And so what's gonna what's hurting Ohio State and is really gonna kill him in this matchup, I think, is not having Nick Bosa. Oh yeah, not having that outside edge rusher who can come in and kind of neutralize Shea Patterson's escapability. Oh, yeah, and also put so much pressure on him yeah, in the whole game. It's going to be diff- It's going to be difficult. Ohio State, I think, is going to be a team making a lot of in-game adjustments for this one because they're going to have to. They they have to do some. They have to do something to beat that defense because mm-hmm. that Michigan defense will smother you. And yeah. it's. I, I'm just saying, I wouldn't want to be going up against the Michigan defense, especially oh, no. in this rivalry game. Oh yeah, because no. this is this is one of the no. biggest. I mean, na- the, nationwide, this is. I would honestly argue this might be the biggest rivalry in college football. I I, I would I would agree with that one. It's it's that it's big. huge because both what, of these teams have fan bases across yeah. the country. Yep, and it's this it's, is just a big one. It's gonna be and and speaking of fan bases, this one is at Ohio State. Yeah, that is something that I definitely do think. Uh, it's an advantage to Ohio State. Oh you're, yeah, you're you're playing with, with all those Buckeye fans screaming yeah. like home. that is definitely an advantage. Yeah, home field advantage cannot be overstated, oh, especially no. in especially in games like this oh, yeah. and in college specifically, oh, where the stadium uh, yeah. seat almost twice as many as your typical NFL and they, stadium. They pack them in and they get yeah. loud. Nothing. Ah man, the the home home field advantage is going to be big in this one, but I think. It's the it's the typical game plan for every team. You got to go and you got to take the crowd out of it. 
That's oh, yeah. that's universal acro- yeah. across sports. And the way Michigan's got to do that, they got to just they got to go down the field and score on that first drive. Yep. If they start with the ball, they need to walk yep. away with a touchdown. They need Definitely. to be walking off, kicking the extra point. Yeah. That if that defense suffocates them, if you're not giving any offense for that crowd to cheer it mm-hmm. for, you're gonna take the crowd out of it. Here, here's the here's the deal. This is what this is gonna sound super obvious and like duh, but Michigan needs to go in if they start with the ball, touchdown. It has to be. Yeah. Has to be a touchdown, and then that first def- defensive possession, three and out. You, you can. Be, yep. It's got to be three and out. That, yep. And you got to take control of that yeah, game. You got to go and in I mean, there. It's got to be like, like a. This. It's got to be like an impressive three and out. Yeah. It can't. It's. They got to just go in. They got to take over. Yeah. First two drives. Those are. Yeah. Th- that's how you take the crowd out of it. You give anything to an Ohio State fan base in that stadium. Oh, that seems gonna. You're gonna. Rocks. You're gonna be up against it there yep. and. They're not going to stop, and we've seen we have seen it in the past the impact that is made based on home field advantage. I mean, Definitely. players lose their cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a few years ago when uh the Ohio the Ohio State guy got ejected for targeting. I can't remember. I think three years ago, and he flipped off the Michigan fan base. No, can't do that. And he, that's that's what happens when the crowd gets into their heads. They get yep. so fiery, and they just start being stupid because their yep. focus is I want to shut this crowd up. And yeah. you make stupid mistakes if you're not smart about it. You got to yeah. go out and you got to shut them out, shut them up by being better. Yeah. Not by yeah. not by playing dirtier or yeah. hitting harder. No. In Michigan, Michigan, I think they I think they can really go out and they can set the tone in the first two drives, regardless oh, they, of they if they start can. on defense or on offense. They're the better team. They're the team that can go out and they set the tone and mm-hmm. they just got to roll with it from there. Yep. Yep. So so who do you, who do you think is going to win this one? Um. You know, I can't. I can't say. I can't be against. I can't say Michigan's gonna lose because Ohio State hasn't really done much. Re- uh, yeah. Like they had to beat Maryland by putting up fifty plus points. And it went to overtime too. And it went to overtime. So Michigan's defense isn't giving up fifty points. Yeah. No. So they, if your defense can't, if your defense is giving up fifty plus points to Maryland. Yeah, that's not you, looking good. That's for not. Shea that doesn't. That does not look good. And yeah. so. Ohio State. I mean, they need to, their defense needs to be stout. It needs to be something where they can really shut them down, and yeah. it's it'll be a challenge. Yeah, I no. think. But I think Michigan. I think it'll be a close game. But I think Michigan's going to walk away from this one. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would like to say uh, Ohio State's going to win this one, but I, I just, I can't. Yeah, that Maryland game and that losing to Purdue. I, I can't. I don't have faith in that that defense to yeah. stop them, and then even. That offense can sputter at times. Like it, it definitely not so much versus uh, Maryland, but versus Purdue, it it sputtered a bit. And this is a defense in Michigan that you don't want to play. They're gonna, they're yeah. just gonna go out there and they're gonna play well. So I, I think Michigan is definitely gonna take this, this one. But uh, that that ends it for uh for yeah. rivalry weekend. Yeah. Uh, this is gonna lead us into uh lead us into week twelve. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start off. Obviously, we got one of the biggest Bears fans in the world yeah, right here. That's right, sitting across from me. And uh, there's been some major news. Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback for the Bears, has been listed as doubtful due to a bruised AC joint. So yeah, what what does that mean? Um. So here's this is for coming from Ian Rappaport and some other insiders around the NFL, and they're. This injury, it's nothing. the The staff for Chicago isn't really concerned about it. So Mitch, he's he's most likely not going to play, only because they're on a short turnaround. 
Yeah. The general consensus from uh, Matt Nagy's press conference, as well as just listening to the other reports coming out of the NFL, is that if this were a Sunday game coming up against the Lions, Mitch would play. But they're not going to put their franchise, they're not going to gamble the shoulder health of their franchise quarterback on this matchup, especially. Nor should you. Yeah, no, they, they shouldn't. And. It's especially when they've got Chase Daniel as their backup. And I get it. Chase Daniel has played very few regular oh, season games. Very little. But G- granted, you got to give Chase Daniel uh, some props. That dude has been around some good quarterbacks. He was the yeah. backup for Breeze for years. And yeah. I remember there was even an article when he went uh, up to Kansas City and was backing up Alex Smith. Alex Smith talked about how much uh, he, he helped him because yeah. he, he brought all that stuff that he learned from yeah. Drew Brees, and he brought it up to Kansas City, and he was teaching to Alex Smith, and he, you know everything from tips on watching film, on when to do things, like how to work out, eating yeah. right, all, all that stuff. Like, it definitely has insight, and right. uh, I, you know, I'm not gonna say he he can't go out there and play well because he definitely he sat behind the best of the best. He he can go out there and he can he can play yeah. well. No, I I think this also speaks to their confidence in Chase Daniel. I know mm-hmm. Matt Nagy has said it a few times now that he um he and Chase know each other inside and out is yeah. his quote. And so that like to have that kind of relationship with a play caller and quarterback and head coach and oh, quarterback huge. it's huge. So you know they're they're not going to risk anything be- because why would they risk Trubisky when they're this confident and feel this good about their backup? Yeah. And yeah. that's the reason you go out and you spend the money on a on a good backup. Chase Daniel has been a reliable backup his entire career. And he showed in the preseason that he knows how to run the offense. And yeah, yeah. he was running it with the, with the twos and threes and stuff, but against Kansas city in the preseason, he faced the starting defense and was a, and he put up, he put up some good number. That's I think 198 yards passing and a touchdown or two touchdowns. And so he knows, he knows how to run this offense and Mm -hmm. We do benefit from being up against the Lions, who I always say don't sleep on the Lions, but that pass defense is not yeah. very good. And no, I think I think they're still without – are they still without Slay? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I believe he's still injured. I don't yeah, believe Yeah, so they're playing. still without Slay, which is really the only good se- – or not secondary, but corner that they yeah. have. And so Chase Daniels, I think – I think they'll be fine. Um, the big thing, what I, I don't want to see them force the run. Oh yeah, no that would that would be bad. I I think they they gotta stick to the same. They just they just beat the Lions like yeah. what, what is it thirteen days ago or something between games <laughs> like yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but uh they like they they should they should they already know the game plan they have to do pretty much. Yeah. They should go out. Chase Daniels knows what he needs to do to execute it. I say mm-hmm. you, you stick to a similar, maybe not the exact same one, but you stick right. similar. You definitely you put in stuff that you know that Chase Daniels is comfortable right. with, and you go out there and they. They should be able to. That defense alone should win them yeah, that game. Yeah, that defense is good enough to pick up whatever struggles the offense might have under yeah. Daniel. And going back to it, um, I lost my train of thought here. Chase Daniel. So with him, the confidence in him and everything that they don't need to run, lean on this run game that has been struggling all season. Mm-hmm. I. It's just. It's good. It's good to hear it coming from their the coaching staff that they really believe that they don't need to change the game plan at all. Yeah. Because what you don't want to see with the backup quarterback is completely changing what the offense is. And we know uh, what the Bears works. offense is yeah. is that it's a multi it's it's like a multi-weapon super schematic yeah. uh 
attack. And so it's hard to kind of follow. And so once you change from what's been working all season to adjust for your backup, you're you're gonna you're gonna struggle, and the Bears need yeah. to stick with what's been working because the run game hasn't been. Yeah, and usually the thought is, oh, when your backups in, you lean on the run game more. I don't think they need to. I don't. I don't think they need to. I think Chase Daniels knows that offense. He's been. He was with uh, Matt Nagy in in Kansas City. Like he knows that offense. Yeah, they, they should be fine. I I I think honestly, I think the coaching staff. I don't think it's like just coach speak saying like, oh yeah, we we believe in our backup quarterback. When right. really they're like, no, oh, I, no, this guy sucks. Like I think they honestly truly believe. Yeah. That Chase Daniels is a legitimate quarterback, and I I legitimately think they think they can win with him. Yeah, I, I don't think it's gonna be an issue. They I think they have plenty of confidence going into this game and they're also I mean they're approaching it the approach is that this is a one week like sit out for Trubisky yeah that's that's the attitude towards it is this is just a one game thing he will be back for their next game yeah and so it's not like they they don't there's no need to go and rewrite things for one game and so even I think even if they weren't as confident as they are they wouldn't change much because yeah no why why, Why you, would you, you for a single game? Yeah, and that you just beat the Lions. Like, yeah, you know, 12, 13 days that's, ago. Like, that's on. the one benefit to this crazy turnaround that the NFL hit the Bears with. Yeah, is that they've played one game between each other, and yeah. so there's not much change to your game plan that needs that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that will work for in their favor, and I think really the Bears will be okay. Yeah. I just. I, there's really no one else on the injury report. Shaheen is out with a concussion. But yeah, knew that watching the watching the end of that Sunday night game. Yeah. Was, you know, oh, there's no way he's clearing protocol in right. four days. Right. But the impact players are all still in place. Yep. Yeah. Which is which is important. It'd be yeah. a much bigger deal if, you know, Cohen or Robinson yeah. or some of the big, big guys in that offense. If some of them were out, I'd be way more concerned. But I think I think he'll be he'll be fine in that that role. Which yeah. uh, this brings us now to a. Uh, you know Miami. You know their head coach used to be in uh, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, Gase but, broke uh, my heart when he left. Yeah, so now uh, they get while uh, the Bears are losing their starting quarterback, they get Tannehill back. Yeah, no more Osweiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I I think they're glad about. Well, I don't want to say glad because obviously no coach or player is gonna say they're glad. Or like they're happy to have someone over the other. Yeah, you know, the, you, unless you're playing the Bears, then you want Osweiler, right? Yeah, because <laughs> he's got the Bears number, which is irritating. <laughs> but the word that they that they're going to use instead is excited. Yeah, and in an, in a locker room when a t- when a player goes, oh, we're excited to have him back. That means like we couldn't wait to have him back. Yeah, because the. <laughs> the Dolphins haven't scored an offensive touchdown in a couple games here. It's been bad. It's, it's been, been bad. it's been bad. And so I was reading it was from a source it was the source called Bear or uh, I'm sorry, Dolphins Wire, which is just one of those Bleacher Report uh websites that uh-huh. reports on the different teams, you know. Yep. And so they questioned uh, Frank Gore about what it'll be like to have him back. And Frank Gore said my key word here, excited. He's like, we're excited to have Tannehill back. He's a nice presence and talent for that offense. Yeah. Danny Amendola, I'm, we're excited to have him back because he changes the scheme of things and he brings a different kind of look to what we can do offensively. Mm-hmm. Keyword excited. Yep. Change. Yeah. So this the locker the locker room impact. These guys are probably a little bit more fired up and a little bit more lively now because hey, be. here our starter, our starting quarterback is back and his talent level is back and yeah. that's the big thing I want to talk. I want to t- 
touch on is his the talent change. Mm-hmm. Brock Osweiler, I'll give the man credit for the amount of money he's made off of being oh, it's impressive. just kind of meh as a QB. It's impressive. I give him props. Yeah, like good for him, but Tannehill is more talented. Tannehill yeah. is going to take over the starting role for a reason. You saw the difference. No offensive touchdowns for two weeks. Yeah. That's terrible. That's yeah. Bill's level bad right it's there. It's so bad. Literally, the only time Osweiler can ever play well is when it's against the it's Bears. It's when it's against the Bears. And so, Tannehill, the, going back to what Amendola was quoted saying, that it brings a new like look in a different approach and scheme to their offense, It's that's mobility right there. Tannehill is more mobile, and so he works better outside of the pocket. And because of that, they can now change some of their offensive concepts and routes to attack downfield. Yeah. Osweiler, they didn't do much of that because if Osweiler was ever uncomfortable in the pocket, he kind of he just try and quickly get it to a check down. Yeah, Tannehill can work outside the pocket, and that'll work for him. Yeah, Osweiler also has accuracy issues where there's some days where the dude yeah. cannot hit the broadside of a barn. Yeah, he, dude, like he there's times when his accuracy, if it's not there that day. It's not there yeah. that day. Yeah. Unfortunately, the same kind of goes towards Mitch Trubisky here and there. But, here, here hey, we're there. talking about Osweiler, right? <laughs> um, yeah, no, Osweiler struggles with his accuracy. And I remember watching some of their game against the Packers, and Tony Romo pointed it out where Osweiler, he would always he'd take this one step back and he'd immediately flush out to the right side before there's pressure. He'd flush to the right side. So he'd always be throwing against his body. Mm-hmm. And that's what leads to his accuracy it's, is because he's yeah. throwing against his body to most crossing good. routes. And yeah. you can't do that. It's, it's bad. It will you know, never it's crazy. Well I give, you. you know, you know, Tony Romo sees everything up in that booth and he pointed yeah. it out. And that's all I noticed watching yeah. any, any time Osweiler dropped back into the pocket. I noticed it right away. He'd oh. get through one read, and then he'd flush out to the right, and then he'd throw across his body, and it's either an interception, broken up pass, or it's just not close. Yeah, it's in the dirt. It's, so it's, he's, it's so that, was, that was a big thing. That's going to slow your offense down. Tannehill doesn't do that. Now, I don't, I'm not saying Tannehill is an exceptional quarterback talent. I honestly, I have, I cannot get a read on Ryan Tannehill. I don't, I don't think anybody can. I don't even no, know the Dolphins the can. No, the dude's 30 years old, and I don't know if he is a franchise. seriously 30? Yeah. Dang. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback or not. I cannot, I, I, I can't seriously tell. cannot tell. He has his flashes, and then he has his moments where he still looks like he's a rookie learning an offense. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm dumbfounded trying to figure out what kind of quarterback Tannehill is. Well, I, I, I think it uh I think it might speak something to uh the fact that this dude wasn't a quarterback in college. He was a wide receiver on Texas A and M for a while until he moved yeah. back his senior year and was quarterback. But that dude was a wide receiver for right. a couple seasons. Right. Tannehill's a he's a weird quarterback, man. It yeah. Nothing against the guy. He's just I, I can't read him. I don't know. I yeah, I don't I don't think anybody can read Tannehill, but uh you know, our our next uh next topic here is uh another team with quarterback issues. Poor Alex Smith, as a uh, as a 49ers fan, I uh, I've I've long been a fan of Alex Smith, and uh, it it I I root for him, you know. I I think he didn't get a fair shake with the Niners. They there was no talent on those squads, and yeah. uh, so I I always root for Alex Smith. That was that was a painful injury to watch. That was a yeah, very painful injury to watch. It it was not good, but uh, yeah. Now we got Colt McCoy coming in here. Yep. Now so so Andrew so there there are some people saying that. Colt McCoy, that between him and Alex Smith, 
there's no drop off whatsoever. There's some <laughs> even saying that Colt McCoy might be better. What what's your take on that? Um, I I haven't seen anything saying he'll be better. I'll but I have I have read through some of the uh, the Bleacher Report app and I've seen some you know quote unquote analysts for the Washington yeah. Redskins Redskins saying that Colt McCoy is just as good of a quarterback for that system, and I don't. So what I think. I think people are kind of misinterpreting what's coming out of the Redskins locker room and what they're seeing on the field. And what they're seeing is Colt McCoy being capable of running that offense. And so, yes, there's a drop-off in talent, but I think the better thing to say is that the Redskins aren't done. They're not like, this injury isn't going to, it's not going to screw them over. Because Alex Smith was putting up, you know, typical Alex Smith numbers aside yeah. from what he did last season. Yeah. And that's not saying he was playing bad by any, by any means, but like he was, he was being Alex Smith. He, he, he would much rather throw the check down than yeah. throw a risky pass downfield. Yeah. So Colt, Colt McCoy is going to step in. And honestly, if he can do the same, I think they'll yeah. be okay. And I think, I think what the thought going around with the Redskins is that, like I said, they're not done for the season because of this injury. And I think definitely, they're trying to find a way, just poorly wording it, but trying to find a way to say that Colt McCoy is capable and going to be able to still lead the Redskins through that division, which is not, at, at this point it's on the season, great. it's not looking like a tough division to win. It's looking like 9-7 and seven is going to win that, baby. Yeah, nine and se- honestly, 9-7 and seven can win that division. You've yep, got... Definitely. You the got, next got, two teams are five lost teams. Yeah. So 11 wins will clinch it. Yeah, for the Redskins. It's probably because obviously New York is, yeah, I'm going to say, out of it. I know mathematically they're not out of it. but Nine and but seven, New, they'd have New to York's, win out to be nine and seven. They'd have to win out, and I, I don't see that yeah. happening. So I, I'd say they're, they're definitely out. And then, you know, you got the Eagles. The Eagles have just struggled this year. Um, you know, maybe it's partly Super Bowl hangover. Maybe it's partly losing coaching staff members to different teams and yeah. stuff. That, that definitely could be a factor, but they, they have not looked great. They also have had a lot of injuries, too. I think that's a little yeah. bit understated. They, they have had quite a few injuries yeah. to that, that team. And then there's the Cowboys, you know, with uh, Dak Prescott. Cowboys Oops. are interesting. Yeah. Cowboy, I mean, Cowboy, Cowboys are interesting, but not, not that interesting. Well, you know, they've got the second coming of Jesus, Dak second. Prescott, yep, out that's there right. playing quarterback. Yep. But here's – so – this actually, I wanted to bring this up with the Cowboys and the Redskins. I am going to say that this matchup on Thanksgiving is the same as what the Bears Vikings matchup on Sunday night was. Oh, it decides the division. And I think I'm not going to say decides, but, but it's it, a huge swing in it, which way the division is going to go. It, it gives all the momentum to whoever yeah. wins it. If the Redskins come out and win, that puts them at seven and four. Yeah. So, and they'll take a even more commanding lead. On that mm-hmm. division, and yep. like we're saying, eleven and five, and that'll that will guarantee that eleven and five clinches you that division. Yeah. So that's that's the big thing there. I think that matchup, that game, is going to be a huge. It's going to swing that division in a huge direction, one way or the other. Because oh, listen, I don't, you know, I don't like agreeing with the whole. Oh, the Cowboys are starting to heat up, but the Cowboys are slow they're kind of starting to heat up Ugh. they're start i'm gonna be honest they're starting to let dak do his thing a little bit more and yeah that's true that's because garrett's afraid of losing his job yeah well i don't think he'll ever lose his job as long that's as true. he repeats what jerry jones tells him that's, but that's valid so they're starting they're they've suffered from being this really 
poorly like managed offense to where they're forcing a oh, quarterback yeah. to not play to his strengths. Yeah. And I feel like their offense, they're still running it like Tony Romo's that quarterback. Which is not. Dak Prescott and Tony Romo are not no. the same. Mm-mm. They aren't the same at all. And so they, when they start to let things kind of open up a little bit more and take advantage of what Dak does, they're a good team. But I mm-hmm. still think that they are – I still think they're up against it with the Redskins because the Redskins – I mean, Colt McCoy still took off and looked very strong against oh, the Texans. Definitely. Well, one, one thing you got to remember, one, Colt McCoy did not give a fair shake with the Browns. That's where no. co- yeah. quarterbacks, their careers are done the moment they've been drafted by the Browns. Yeah, I mean, we'll see over. if Baker's different, but the Browns I'm rooting have been for Baker, awful. But. And uh, so I won't give Cole McCoy. I think Cole McCoy definitely is more talented than uh, than he's perceived as. Yes, I agree. Because um, I think, yeah, I don't I don't count Cleveland against any quarterback because that's not fair to any quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but Colt McCoy, I think he, I think one thing that's interesting, he's definitely more aggressive than Alex Smith is. Yeah, I think he'll throw it down the field more. But I wonder if that's going to lead to more interceptions. It'll it'll, it'll it be interesting. Could and you know what's going up against McCoy is that he had to come in against the Texans, which is a good defense, and now he yeah. has to go up against the Cowboys, which is a also a good, good defense. defense. Right yeah. Very good defense right now. And so, yeah, he's a he's going to be. A little bit more aggressive. That's just kind of in the way he plays the position. Yeah. Um, and so naturally that will open up more opportunities for the defenses yeah. defenses to get yeah. takeaways. Yeah. But I think that's all part of like that's just part of his game. Yeah. And Colt McCoy, honestly, if he can come in and he can be a game manager, I think that's all you ask yeah. of a backup. You at your backup is not in there to be your difference making player. No, they they're in there to not lose you the game. Yeah, that's that should be that should be your goal for your for your backup quarterback is that he can fill in when you need him to yeah. and he's not going to be the guy that costs you anything. Yeah. Definitely. And like he's going to be able to keep you in a game like a game manager would. Mm-hmm. And so Colt McCoy, he has the talent. He was pretty he was pretty solid at Texas. Yeah. He unfortunately went to the Browns, which Unfortunately. There there's your problem yeah. there. And then you remember going back three years ago to that QB controversy that was going on with Kirk Cousins, RG3, Colt McCoy, yeah. and they just kind of kept cycling through the three. Yep. Whether it be some kind of tweak or injury that took someone out, but they just kept kind of cycling yep. through. And they all played around the same level, honestly. Yeah. Well, one thing I think Colt McCoy really has going for him, I think it's almost a little bit like Chase Daniels with Trubisky, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Like, Colt McCoy has the confidence of that coaching staff. Yeah. Because, like, j- j- just not even that far back, but the last year, but before the Redskins uh, franchised Cousins for the second time, yeah. there was some talk that they might just roll with McCoy. Like, that, that coaching staff definitely has the confidence in him. Which I think is definitely huge for uh, huge for uh, McCoy. Like that's that's definitely big for for McCoy, yeah. and you know he has the confidence coaching staff. I think it's like Chase Daniels. I think I think they're not going to change the offense because yeah. of him. He knows it. He's been there long enough. I I think he could perform well. Yeah, and just real quickly before we move on here, I just want to get this off my chest. I think Colt McCoy can take advantage of this and set himself up to be like the next Case Keenum. Going into next yeah. offseason, where where he signs a you know as a gap starter, one yeah, of those, he one of those he signs one of those contracts. Where it's like we're yep. paying you to be a starter, but this is by no means a you're our long term starter. Yeah, this you know is, uh, that's what Keenum is yeah. in Denver. Is we want to be competitive, but we're not in a position to spend the draft capital on a quarterback yet. Yeah. So hey, you've proven 
last season that you were good enough, so we'll bring you in. And I think he can do that. I don't know mm-hmm. what team he'll go to. That'll all shape up over the uh, course of the season, and we'll see what happens. That's just my that's my way too early prediction on Colt McCoy in free agency that's going a, that's into a next solid season. Prediction. I could see it happening. Yeah, and yeah. so next I want to move in. Just a fun thing: Pro Bowl Pro Bowl voting opened up, Pro and Bowl. so. I want to uh, quickly throw out there, my boy Khalil Mack is the top outside linebacker vote getter at the moment. As he should be. As As he he should should be. be. I would put him in there as a defensive end, too. I'd vote him in at every (laughs) position if I could. Quarterback, I don't care. Khalil Mack's a freaking monster. Wait, wait, wait. Khalil Mack or Trubisky, who's your quarterback? Well, no, I got to vote for Mitch. Come on Okay. But over the other guys. Um, And then just another side note here, Drew Brees, top vote getter right now. Behind him is Mahomes. Interesting. Brady is sixth. That's not that surprising to me, though. I no. mean, I, I, you know, I, he's he's beloved by the uh, the Boston fan base there. Yeah. But one, the dude's getting older. He's not looking. He has not looked great the past couple games. No, and his then, his arm has been weird. He's been yeah. making. He's been shying from contact, and I get that self preservation. But he's doing it in the process of a throw. Yeah. And so that kind of takes off some of your velocity. Yeah. And like it takes less on your accuracy as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of hurting him. Definitely. So, yeah, one one thing I did find interesting, uh in the Steelers, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell not playing this season, but he voted James Conner in as yeah. as the running back. Yeah, well, all season Le'Veon's been tweeting his his support for James Conner. Which which is nice to see. It's good to see. Everyone thought that was like his damage control strategy for when he returned to the locker room. Obviously not. Obviously Le'Veon not. wasn't coming back. He w- and you know what? I'm not going to pick a side here, but if he's st- he's standing up for what he thinks good for him, stand up for what you think. Yeah, get I'm your not, money. I'm not a, I'm not against that at all, especially when you've been as good as he has been. Yeah. But I just wanted to quickly um Ended here with the top five vote, like top five votes right now. Number one, we've got Drew Brees. It's not surprising. close. Second, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Do you want to take a guess at number three? I'm oh, going to let boy. you know that the next three are running backs. Next three are running backs. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Who would who would be the top? I feel like it's got to be Gurley. Gurley's number three. Okay. Do you know number four and five? Uh, I'm going to guess five has got to be Connor, right? He's in there. He's number four. He's number four. James Conner's number four. James Conner's number four. Dang. Yeah, number five. Oh. Do you think you have it? Boy, I don't think I do. Who? Saquon Barkley. Really? Yeah, and you know what? I, I, can, I can see that because that Lions, or Lions, whoa, that Giants offense goes when, Bark, or when Barkley true. goes. Greg, I, the, the reason that surprises me is purely from the fact of the Giants have been so absolutely terrible yeah. this year. I think I've really only watched when they play the Niners. Like I haven't mm-hmm. paid much attention to the Giants other than, oh, they lost again. Yeah. Hey, they're on a uh, win streak here. So <laughs> of one game, <laughs> two actually. You know. But yeah, so he benefits from being in New York. So obviously he's going to get a ton of votes. Definitely. But we'll just we'll cut it off there for uh, there. So, week so up, twelve. Up, up next, I'm I'm excited for this. This is going to be exciting. So Mills. I'm just going to give the floor to you. I want you to go off. I want a full-blown, epic Andrew Miller rant about your Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. I want to know what's up with them, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Give me the rundown. All right. I'm going to I'm gonna start off letting everybody know. This is a hot take, super opinionated 
rant I'm about to go on. As we enjoy. And if anyone disagrees, you're entitled to that. But this is going to be my, this is my perception and my thoughts right now. So here's the deal. The Blackhawks are 2-6-3 in their last 11. 2-6-3. Now I know you're not good. Yeah, I know you're not big on hockey. Those are three. Those three are overtime losses. So they get one point. Woo, cool, right? And then under their new coach, uh, Colleton, they are two, two, and two. (laughs) That's not great. That's that's not great. Two, two, and two. It's just it's ah. It could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. Could be. They could be zero and six there, but they're not. And so I wanted to quickly. I just wanted to start off. I want to first give my team MVP at this point in the season and that's Patrick Kane. I think Patrick Kane for years now has been consistently their their best talent. And here's the deal, he's played 20 games this year, he has 25 points. That offense slumped for those that 11 game stretch that I read off there. They mm-hmm. could hardly score at all. But Kane despite that, 25 points in 20 games. So you got to give him I got to give him my team MVP right now. Yeah. Um but I want to I want to spend more time talking about why I think they're struggling. Yeah. And so here's the deal for everyone. I am not a Stan Bowman fan. Not at all. I've I've heard this man go off on this. I dude. do not. I am not a fan of Stan Bowman. I will give him credit for keeping the core together, but I do not like the notion that people are crediting crediting him for building that core because he did not. No. Dale Talon drafted. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, Corey Crawford. He brought in Patrick Sharp. That is your core. And Crawford's kind of a uh, asterisk next to him because when they won the first one, he wasn't even like he was hardly on their roster. But he came in and ended up being a huge part of their core after Dale Talon left. But he was still discovered and brought in by Dale Talon. So that's just. Dale Talon built that core. Stan Bowman has kept it together, but this is what this is going to lead to my first kind of issue with Stan Bowman, and that is the contracts that he signs. He yeah. has put this team in salary cap hell. The salary cap situation in the NHL sucks. If you're up against it, you are screwed because it's a hard cap, and the way players are getting paid versus the what the salary cap is, it's not proportional. So top end, top end talent is getting like eleven million roughly, or per year. Cat the cap hit is or the salary cap is seventy four million. Oof. Blackhawks have ten and a half million tied into uh, Taze and Kane right there. So that's that's, that's a huge chunk. Yeah, of money. that's yeah, that's a huge chunk of money. And he signs he signs contracts. He signs guys to contracts that they shouldn't be getting paid that much. And I want to look at Brent Seabrook's contract. I love Brent Seabrook, but the dude's on the wrong side of 30, and he shouldn't be making his $6.25 million cap hit Jeez. for the next five years. Oh, boy. That's not – you. come on. You got to see he's he, – everyone knew – the book was out on how to beat Seabrook before he, this contra, his first contract came up. Everyone knew you just skate really fast to one of the sides, and he's going to fall down. And I like Seabrook, but he's gotten slower, and so you don't – you paid him for what he was, not what he is anymore. Mm-hmm. Keith, I love Keith. I'm not going to rip his contract because, hey, Bowman took advantage of one of the uh, flaws in the CBA at the time. Good for him. Mm-hmm. You know, smart move there. You had to sign your best defenseman to money. Um, yeah. So 
The Bickle contract was obviously one that hurt. And because of these contracts and their salary cap situation, they lose all of their young talent. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't build a winning team if you keep getting rid of young talent. Because guess what? Those other guys get older. And so when those guys are aging and not playing as well, like Seabrook, for example, that's when you should have one of your young talent defenders coming in and, yeah. fi- and starting to take over. Which it, That's what Henry Yokiharu is doing. The problem is there should have already been two more defenders before him that were starting to come to their own, come into their own as a defender. Mm-hmm. And they don't have that going for them. And then another thing is trades. I get it when you're trying to contend and trying to win, you need to kind of be a buyer at the mm-hmm. trade deadline. But Bowman has been, he has just been fleeced at the trade deadline. Most of them do not work. Andrew Ladd did not work. The only one I would say worked for him was when he traded for Antoine Vermette in 2015. Mm-hmm. Ever The other ones, he's given up draft picks or young talent for a guy who kind of flopped when he bro- was brought in. And then I also wanted to go to the, the trade that I, when this trade happened, well, these two trades happened. I said that was the end of the Blackhawks, and that's when they traded Artemi Panarin for Brand- to Columbus for Brandon Saad, and they traded my favorite Blackhawk, Nicholas Jalmerson, to the Arizona Coyotes for Connor Murphy. Oh, you, you got – okay, <laughs> here it is. So here's the deal. You had the best offense, like offensive line in the league with Patrick Kane on one wing – Artem Anisimov at the center, and then Artemi Panarin on the other wing. They were unstoppable. No one was stopping that line. They scored more points than the rest of the, the other three lines on the Blackhawks for two years. And then you trade them because, oh, we want contract control and we need a better salary cap situation. That's great. So you traded him to Columbus for Brandon Saad, and Brandon Saad's, and then the contract that Panarin signed in Columbus was the, for the exact same cap hit as Brandon Saad, <laughs> just for two less years. And I get it, you know, you want the contract control for the extra two years, but Brandon Saad has not been himself since he left the Hawks the first time, and so they, they lost that trade. I don't care that Ar- that uh, Artemi Panarin's not going to sign with Columbus. He went and proved to be a premier scorer and a top talent without Kane. So if your gamble was that, oh, he's only as good because of the players around him, you lost there as well. Yeah. And then another thing is Jalmerson. Jalmerson is that defender that does all of the dirty work that doesn't really get the glory. You know, blocked shots, things like that, the checks. He was your physical guy who he didn't score a lot, but he was really good as a stay-at-home defender. And you traded him for a what was hopefully a younger version of him. They didn't get a younger version of him because Connor Murphy has struggled and he has not yeah. looked good as an NHL defender. And I get the hope was, okay, the first year with the Hawks, yeah, this year, no. But he's still struggling. And those two trades, they baffle me because you took your, you kind of spun your team into a rebuild that wasn't, in my opinion, necessary yet. Because mm-hmm. you kind of sold two of your key talents right there. And it just sucks because I give Stan Bowman all the credit in the world for finding Artemi Panarin because no one I, – I didn't see that one coming at all, and he exploded in the NHL. And so yeah. I was like, Stan Bowman found a stud, and mm-hmm. he's young, and we can keep him. And then they just – they traded him away for Brandon Saad, who is a different style of player, but you're a team that had very little offense to begin with, and you traded away one of your best offensive weapons. Yeah, And that – Oh, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm gonna end it there. 
I'm going to end it there. We're running, we're running out of time here and I don't want to keep going, but I just know I can go on. I I know you can. And I'm choosing not to. I am choosing. Oh, you can go on all day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, up next here, we're going to get to, uh, college sports, uh, doesn't really get much attention. See me, me and Andrew, we are both, uh, cross country and track runners. That's right. We, we, we've been running since, you know, since high school together and now we're college teammates. Um, so definitely running is definitely important to us. So we, we wanted to give a shout out to, uh, last weekend, the NCAA division one cross country championships happened. And, uh, for me, uh, I, I do follow it a bit. It wasn't it wasn't terribly surprising of scores if if you followed the sport at all. Uh, Northern Arizona they they won they crushed it. They took first place, scoring eighty three points in cross country. <laughs> it's like golf; you want the lowest score. Next place was BYU with one sixteen, and uh, oh, in cross country boy. that's pretty dominant. Yeah, that is that is that is a pretty dominant a th- thirty point difference. Yep, yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is here. Here, here's how badly, uh, or here, here's how well NAU did. They got five of their their first five runners, which are the five runners that score. They were all in the top thirty. Yeah. Their sixth man, they had six guys in the top forty. This is a meet with two hundred and fifty plus runners. That is insane. Yeah. That is dominant. Ooh. And this was their third title in a row. That is the three peat. Now. Here's where this gets interesting. Most of those guys return. <laughs> they get they get three All-Americans back. They get three guys who are in All-American honors this year in cross country. They get them back. Then they also add in a freshman from New Zealand who uh, is supposed to be good. Dude has run a 29.59 10K on the road, which if you for those of you who don't know, that's pretty impressive. That's fairly elite, especially from a kid who's 18 years old. Like yeah. that is that is impressive on the road too. On the road, so that's that's hills and stuff. I don't know what that course was like, but yeah, I'm gonna guess that's that's road running is usually not fun. It's, it's usually more difficult than on the track. So that is that is impressive. Their their other freshman who he he redshirted this year, so he's been practicing with the team, was a stud in high school. Brody Hasty, that that dude, his his PR. His senior year in the 5K, 1436. 1436 in the 5K. Dude freaking dominates. That was when he won the uh, Nike National Southwest Regional Champions. So, like, that that dude is is super legit. He's also ridiculous on the track. His 3K, actually, he beat Galen Rupp. For those of you who don't know, Galen Rupp is an Olympian. He uh, ran for Oregon, multiple championships at Oregon. He's won Olympic medals in the Olympics. He's one of the best runners right now. Best, best U.S. runner in history, would you say? Um, I, I put him well, behind Prefontaine, but in, in, his, in, his, in his generation, events. in his era, in his yeah. events, he's okay. definitely, yeah, yeah. He's definitely the best. I, that was no disrespect to Pre. You, but can't, you can't disrespect Pre like that. Number but two? He, he's he's probably, yeah. He, number two? He's, okay. He is that good, and uh, he was dominant in high school. And this kid Brody Hasty actually beat his 3K time in high school. Dude ran an eight flat in the 3K. That is that is ridiculous, guys. For those of you who don't know, that is insane. But basically, the, all, all of that is to say, Northern Arizona is is looking like they are primed and they are pumped to win another one. Another one that would be a four peat. 
That would be four in a row. That would tie them with Arkansas, 1990 through 93, and then UTEP from uh, 1978 through 81. UTEP? The, I know. UTEP <laughs> was good in the 70s. Okay. Wouldn't expect that, but they were. But, yeah, that would put them in the four-peat. So next year, they're going for the four-peat. And honestly, with the talent that's coming back, there's going to be some talented teams, but they, they, they are dominant. They are a dynasty. Three-peats don't happen often in cross-country. No. Four-peats, obviously, it's only happened two other times. And not right, since the yeah. early 90s, late 70s. Like, it is, it is dominant. To have that much talent over year over right. after year is impressive. They're the Alabama of college cross-country. <laughs> they, they, they really are, man. <laughs> but, yeah, no, four-peat, that's crazy because you're losing – a whole class each time. You're, you're losing a whole class. That's impressive well, recruiting, and that's just impressive talent. Yep. And the, the even crazier thing, so next year in their top seven, they're probably only going to have one senior. They could legitimately be going for five here, guys. This is – Northern Arizona is uh, is a dynasty in cross country, and it deserves to be recognized. Yeah. But uh, Good for them. Congratulations to them. I, I Honestly, know. that's – those are some scary numbers. Those are those are impressive for for uh, we're, we're cross country runners, so we're sitting here just being just blown away by like, holy crap, that is impressive, and I I don't think most people realize how impressive that is. Yeah, well, that's gonna do it for us here. Um, if you liked what you heard, feel free to give us a follow on Twitter at Beards Bros Sports. Uh, no, the, the Twitter handle is just at Beards Bros. Oh yeah, Beards Bros. Right. So it's just at Beards Bros. All right, that there is, it is. Uh, that is our Twitter handle, and uh, shortly we're gonna create a Facebook page. Um, we're gonna attempt to upload this to uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, maybe Spotify. Not one hundred percent sure if Spotify is gonna work, but we're gonna try to do all three. Yep. So uh, yeah, be sure to uh, give us a follow. Uh, check in with the podcast. We're gonna we're gonna we plan on this being a weekly thing. Yep. We don't know whether or not it's gonna be released on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays, but uh, it, it it'll be coming. It'll be coming more, out. More news to come. Uh, if you do follow us on Twitter, tweet us any questions or anything you'd like us to address in our next podcast. Oh, uh, definitely. We we will answer fan questions. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. All right. Have a nice day. See ya. <laughs>